really great to have you in our family today. It's good to be family in the city. In a few moments, we want to baptize these wonderful people. And part of baptism is baptizing them into the body of Christ as well. And over the last few weeks, what I've been doing is sharing about the gifts of Christ to the church. Those gifts are people, those gifts are ministries. And we all share in these ministries. Why don't you take a seat just for a few moments? God's trying to develop part of these ministries in you. You may not have these ministries to the fullest extent, but all of these fivefold ministries are going to be birthed in you. And so today, I want to call out, call out the shepherd gift in your heart. Call out that pastoral gift in your heart. Call out that sense of caring. But today I do want to talk about pastors. People with a pastoral gift. And pastors guard our hearts. They have a heart to win your heart. And today I want to speak to your heart. So can you open your heart and not just listen with your mind, but listen with your spirit? Hard to know what a pastor's job is, isn't it? I read this this week about the perfect pastor's job description. The perfect pastor preaches for exactly 10 minutes and he condemns sin roundly, but he never hurts anybody's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. in the morning until midnight and he's also the church caretaker. The perfect pastor makes 40 pounds a week, wears good clothes, drives a good car, buys good books, and he donates 30 pounds a week to the church. He's 29 years old and has 40 years experience. She never forgets her name and spends most of his time praying to God. Above all else, he's handsome. Thank you, Kathy. She knows when somebody is sick and needs visitation without anybody having to tell her. He loves to spend his time with his family. And the perfect pastor has no problem if you drop in unexpectedly. And he also spends most of his time in preparation to speak God's word. And remembers everybody's birth date and of course their anniversaries as well. Before and after services, he never fails to speak to every single person and takes time to listen to you for 15 minutes and then prays with you for 10 minutes after that. After listening to them, the perfect pastor always smiles and tells you what you want to hear. He then goes out and eats after church with each individual family, spending time evenly between all the members. And he also pays for the meal. The perfect pastor eats nutritiously, gets his rest, exercise daily, and is always there to listen to you night or day. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and yet spends most of his time working with the senior citizens. He smiles all the time with a straight face, because his sense of humor keeps him seriously dedicated to the church. He makes 15 visits a day, and always, but is always in the office and is always at hand when needed. 
The perfect pastor always has time for the church council and all the committees. He never misses a meeting of any church organization, but he's always busy evangelizing the unchurch. He meets up with other pastors in the town because they all have so much time on their hands, but yet he's focused on the vision of the house. He spends all day each Saturday preparing his Sunday sermon and then he focuses on his family too. And he doesn't overburden the church finances, so he holds down a secular job sometimes, particularly in the summer. And the perfect pastor is in the next church in the other town, some other place. You know, job description of a pastor is hard to define. It's often up for lots of opinion, isn't it, of what a pastor should do or what somebody with a pastoral gift should be like. Some try and claim that, uh, you know, why do we need the pastor involved with that? They, they shouldn't really be involved in that. And then others will say, well, shouldn't the pastor be here? Shouldn't they be involved in this? And there was one person who said, you know, I don't need a pastor. I've got Premier Radio and God TV, and I've got all the good teachers that I, I can hear on YouTube. I don't really need a pastor. In fact, he wrote in to a pastor. A pastor wrote back to him and said, well, what you're doing is you're uh, rejecting one of the gifts of Christ. Because God gave you the fivefold ministry, the apostles, the teachers, the, uh, the evangelists and the prophets and the pastors. Christ gave them as gifts to the church. So if you say, well, I don't need a pastor or I've kind of outgrown any sort of leadership, what you're saying is, I'm rejecting what Christ has given to me. The bottom line is that the pastor's job and the pastoral gift, there are people within our house now who have a pastoral gift, a shepherdly gift, they operate on a heart level. That's why pastors irritate you so much. That's why pastors sometimes get under your skin. And that's why sometimes there's a resistance because there's a tug at your heart because Christ is using them to uncomplicate and sometimes reveal heart issues. And it's the heart where change really happens. So I'd love you to listen with your heart today and open your heart. You see, my chief purpose of a pastor being the senior leader here of this amazing church and this amazing network and all the responsibilities that, ha that has. But can I tell you that my priority, that if you boil it down to absolutely anything, my priority is to bring you into an experience with God. Now, of course, I can't do that on my own. But actually, my chief priority is that you would know Christ. And that everything about my life is to help you to know Jesus better. This platform, this pastoral responsibility, its main function is to say, how do we get to know God deeper and better? Remember the foundation scripture to this series is Ephesians 4 verse 13, which says the whole reason for these gifts is that we may attain the fullness and the measure of Christ. So any pastor, as well as everything else they do, should be saying, how can we know Jesus better? In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said it this way, I resolved to know nothing amongst you except Christ and him crucified. I didn't want to get into all the church details apart from sharing what Christ is like. 
Christ is the goal. Jesus is the prize. He is the picture. He's the person we're all trying to be like. Amen, church? A pastor, we can't do everything. But those with a pastoral gift are going to speak to your heart. And something will stir with inside of you and connect you to Christ. Not just meddle in your life. Not just kind of unleash issues and take you nowhere. But speak to your heart so that you connect to Christ, the great shepherd. You see, the under-shepherds always connect to the great shepherd, or should do. And at times, that can involve deeper conversations, difficult conversations, conversations that sometimes we all wish we wouldn't have. But it's connecting the heart to Christ. In the United States, the Federal Reserve... When they train a teller to handle money, they only train them to handle authentic money. They never show them a counterfeit. And the theory is that if you get used to the authentic enough, you'll know when there's a counterfeit. That actually if you've been around Jesus enough, if you've been around the Holy Spirit enough, you'll know when things aren't quite right. And that's their theory. Well, today, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. It's an important passage of Scripture from the prophet Ezekiel. And actually, I want to encourage you to read chapter 34 and read it over your life and see if you're the opposite to this. Because actually, Ezekiel is going to show us what counterfeit shepherds are like. And he's going to highlight those counterfeit things so that we can go for the authentic. Maybe you could read it all later, but I'm just going to start by reading the first six verses. Will you follow along with me? Ezekiel chapter 34, the first six verses for now. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Those are the pastors of Israel, the, the caring people of Israel. Prophesy again and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, you shepherds. Of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, or bound up the injured. Three important things. You have not brought back the strays and searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered, and because there was no shepherd, and when they were scattered, they became food for wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the high mountains and over every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched and looked for them. Three important teachings about a pastor or those people with a pastoral gift. There may be a cell leader with a pastoral gift. Three important things. Firstly, their orientation of the pastoral gift is always towards others. This is what verse 2 says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel, you only take care of yourselves. You see, a real pastor will have an orientation about other people. They're not trying to please other people. They're actually thinking about other people. Shepherds seek to give others strength. 
When you're with some people, they drain you. When you're with a real shepherd, they fill you. They strengthen you. Shepherds seek healing and resolving injuries. Ezekiel said it this way. Listen, you haven't healed the sick or bound up injuries. Where real shepherds say, how can we get through this? How can you receive this? Shepherds always look for those people who've gone missing. Some people have said to me, Pastor Mark, why are you going over there with that person? Actually, when some people are scattered, we want you to come back. I want to say to everybody watching online, if you're holding back from coming back out of COVID, we want to just call you back. Now, we know you're engaging uh, meaningfully, and we love our online community, but don't stay away just because COVID got you into the habit of never gathering. We want to say to you, come back. A real pastor will always remind you and say, be a part of things. They are always the person who's looking on the edge of the group saying, come on in. Shepherds show and seek to engender a culture of respect. Ezekiel said, hey, you've been brutal and you're ruling harshly. And it's not that pastors are never strong, but everything they say should be said with gentleness and respect. You see, the shepherd pastor always tries to see things from the other person's perspective. They always try and reach out and say, how's that person feeling? How might they be nurtured? You see, you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And as I was kind of thinking about this, I I, I kind of noticed something. I want you to watch something on the screen And I'm just wanting to call something out in your life. You may not have the title as a pastor, but I wonder if you could today think about how is someone else feeling? Why don't you just watch the screen just for a moment? then perhaps we can tap into perhaps somebody else's pain and think what it's like living in their shoes. Maybe some of our opinions might melt away if we kind of considered what it was like in someone else's shoes. Pastors always have an orientation towards other people. How are they doing? The second thing is, Pastors have an orientation, and people with a pastoral gift will always ask the question, how's the group doing? How healthy is the congregation? What what may be good for one may not be good for, for others. Whilst pastors will always minister to the one, they will always begin also to think, well, how is this affecting the whole group? And so, One of the orientations of a pastor is healthy group life. Why don't you go back with me to Ezekiel chapter 34, and let's look at verse 17. We'll read a few verses to verse 24 then. Follow along with me in your Bible. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on good pasture, Must you also trample on the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? 
Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? I want you to notice that it's the feet that are doing the damage. It's the entitlement, the kind of sense of I can stand where I like. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with the flank and and shoulder, butting all that is weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away. I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them and will tend them and they will be He will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince amongst them. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's really important that you understand that one of the pastoral gifts is to say, well, how's the group doing? There are some important questions that we need to ask ourselves as a part of the group that Ezekiel highlights. Here's one. Is, there a good, is the good thing that you're getting at the expense of someone else? Verse 18, Ezekiel lifts up and says, isn't it enough for you that you feed on good pasture? Must you also trample on the rest of the pasture? Ezekiel also asks us to ask, are you diluting the refreshing experience of others with your opinion, with your attitude, with the vibes that you give out? Ezekiel puts it this way, must my flock feed on what you have trampled on and drink the water that you have muddied? Sometimes just our vibe and our attitude muddies the waters for everybody else. It acts as a filter on the people who are around you. Pastors pick up on that and think, oh, I wonder if we can heal that. Ezekiel asks us to ask this question too, is there a sense of it that we must have no sense of compromise, that it's our way or the highway. Now, of course, we're not talking about compromise in the sense of the Bible or truth or things that are right or ethical, but this is what it means by some sheep shove, some sheep shove, you try to say that with these teeth. Some sheep shove, you try and do that. Hey, Stop spitting on the person next to you. (laughs) Some people, but. And actually what Ezekiel is saying is, they've got no compromise in them. There's, There's a kind of this sense of, hey, this is how we do it. This is what we need to do. Ezekiel says, can you follow clear leadership? What he said to the sheep of Israel is this, I will place over them a shepherd, my servant David, he will tend them and they will be their shepherd. It's an immature church that Paul said, he said it to the Corinthians actually, it's an immature church that says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And then there's the super spiritual ones that say, ah, but we follow Christ. We don't need to follow anybody. Actually, that's immaturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul highlights this. We have to realize that God has ordered the body the way that he wants it. In fact, that's what the scripture teaches in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18. He says actually, but in fact, God has placed in the parts of the body every one of them just as he wants them to be. 
So if he's placed you here with others, we have to begin to accept each other's ministry. We have to make room for each other. We have to say, well, I accept your ministry. Let me compromise. You accept my ministry. Let's work together. See, it doesn't make pastors infallible. No pastor's infallible. Everyone makes mistakes. They never are infallible. We are all called to be an example. Every one of us is called to be an example, not an exception. People who have the wrong idea of leadership always make themselves an exception. They act like a CEO. But actually, pastors are there to give protection, direction, and correction. And Peter talks about this and gives the perfect job description actually of a pastor. Why don't you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 and the first four verses highlight the fact that we are supposed to be examples. Now, if you have a pastoral gift, your example is powerful. If people look to you at all, they're looking at your example, your example of love, your example of being the person you're supposed to be. Your example is powerful. Everybody of you who are in university and school, your example will be powerful. First Peter chapter 5 says this. To the elders amongst you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. You see, the conversation has to be at the heart. It cannot be just by processes and rules. Peter here is saying, look, I'm sharing my heart to your heart. And that's what pastors and pastoral conversations do. I appeal to you as a fellow elder and as a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And the chief, when the chief shepherd appears, he will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. It's really important that whatever responsibility you carry, you're an example. So I want to ask you today, are you orientated to other people? Can you walk in their shoes? Are you orientated to healthy group life where you think, you know, those are the most difficult conversations that a pastor has, especially when one group thinks that, hey, this is how we should do it, and another group thinks this is how we should do it, and then, you know, we have to work together. What pastors do is they say, hey, guys, let's work together, and let's accept where each other are at. The third orientation of a pastor is always towards growth. Never will a pastor or a pastoral person or somebody in leadership want to build over you a glass ceiling so that you can't grow. Now, it may take time, it may take training, but actually a pastor is always wanting you to grow. And that's the sign of a true pastor. Come with me to... Uh, back to Ezekiel chapter 34, and let's understand from verse 20 what Ezekiel has to say. Excuse me, verse 25. 
I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the not live in the wilderness but in the forests of safety. I will make them and the places surround the, uh, my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. How many of you could do with some of that? The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops and the people will secure their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. You see, pastors will always say, we want you to be blessed, we want you to be free, we want bars of yoke uh, broken over you. They will no longer be plundered by nations nor wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them uh, a land renowned for its crops and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord, I am their God and I am with them and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the Lord." The orientation of a pastor is always says, I want you to grow. I want you to receive. I want you to have crops that yield in good season. He will always want you to grow. Growth is part of the goal. And sometimes growth is stretching. All growth involves change. But growth is part of the goal for a Christian. And when we hear these terms, showers of blessing, somebody say amen, okay? Somebody say, you know, when we heal here, yielding its fruit, we can be tempted to think, oh, God does it all. But did you know that somebody's got to plant the seed so the fruit can grow? Did you know that somebody has got to till the ground so the crops can grow? In fact, do you ever remember reading in the New Testament that Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the increase. God wants you to grow. But there's a whole lot of things around that. But every pastor and every person who says that they're a pastoral leader should always be encouraging you to grow. And sometimes this involves stretching and it involves change, but it's good change. It's good to stretch. A pastor will always want you to hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. Now, of course, sometimes you might hear the voice of the Lord through the pastor or through a, a group leader, but actually the goal is that you hear the voice of the Lord for you. Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. Hands up if you're a sheep, okay? If you're a sheep, the goal is that you hear God's voice for yourself. Now, pastors can help you, but it has to be that you hear the word of the Lord for yourself. Is what you're hearing pulling towards unity? Is what you're hearing stretching you to grow? Is what you're hearing helping you to love others? Ezekiel finishes this chapter with verse 31, and it's a reminder to all of us. Verse 31 says this, You are my sheep, my sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord. None of us own the church. We are all actually sheep. You're a sheep, I'm a sheep. Actually, the great shepherd 
always directs the under-shepherds to connect with people, have a heart for people, to nurture and orientate people to health and growth. Well, we're going to enjoy such a great baptism at the moment about the growth that's going on in some people's lives. And I just wonder today if I could speak to your heart. Would you stand with me just for a few moments? I want you to remember something. Everybody in the balcony, I know that you might be a little bit hot up there, but I want you to remember something. Remember that we are all sheep. We are all his. Remember that we are his and not ours. Would you put your hand on your heart with me just for a moment? Because actually pastors seek with the anointing of the Lord to speak to the heart. We may not always do it. Those who lead a discipleship group, those who care for you, it should always do your heart good. And so today, I wonder if I could speak to your heart. Remember that we are not ours. We are His. Remember, it's His pasture. He says, you are my sheep, and actually, it's my pasture. So He gets to determine how it goes. And that's why he's given us this five-fold ministry because he's saying, I'm giving you these gifts because I want to order my pasture. Remember, he is the head and that we belong to him. I refuse to say, and you might hear me say it as an off comment, but deep down in my heart, I refuse all the time to say this is my church. You know, you hear lots of pastors say, where's your church? And actually, I say, well, I haven't got a church. Jesus has a church. I just get to be the under-shepherd in a pasture where he has assigned me. Can you hear an amen, church? Amen. So I want to say to you, guard your heart. And know who you belong to. Now, the immature people amongst you say, yeah, I only listen to God. I belong to him. I don't have to listen to you. That is immaturity. Let's just call it out. The immature people say, I listen to Jesus. I've got no shepherds. I want to ask you, because Ezekiel pointed out, who is your shepherd? And you're going to say Jesus. And you're right. Who's your under-shepherds? Not just your favorite people, because immaturity says, oh, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Jesus. But actually, you need to show that you're listening to God for yourself, you belong to God, but let the pastor shepherd the sheep. Let the pastoral gift be the pastoral gift. It's not perfect. It's not infallible. Never will be. Always need help. Always need advice. Always listen. But let the pastor pastor the sheep.
Can I speak to your heart? Because the five-fold ministry is God's perfect design. So just for a moment, put your hand on your heart. Say, God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Let me hear your voice deep in my heart. You'll know the fake. You'll know the counterfeit if you're around the genuine often enough. Holy Spirit, move in our church. We want our church to be the genuine article. We want our church to be the place where it's so genuine that if fake comes, we know it straight away. God, would you make us so authentic that anything is exposed when it's fake? Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Speak to our heart together. Let us be the genuine article. We want to be your church, your sheep, the people of your pasture. You determine how it is, not us. Your word lays it out. Church, are you hearing me?